our Aussie dollar has been performing a lot worse than the US dollar has. Um, so something that I, I mentioned to everybody that's looking into precious metals for the first time here in Australia is that over the last 23 years, gold's averaged 9% a year in Aussie dollars. And last year, it went up 13 and a half. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics and a quick announcement before we get to today's show, because as you may have noticed, we've been doing a little bit of a different schedule so far this year, and we've been moving towards something we're going to change, which fortunately has the benefit in that every morning on trading days, we will have Vince Lancy giving a morning market update, obviously a big focus on gold and silver, but wanted to create something that if someone was pressed for time and only had 10 or 15 minutes to watch something each day, that you'd get a full variety of the news that's affecting the market, see any big changes in the levels, any analysis on gold and silver, but also keeping it on the shorter side so that easy to watch each day. And that will be at 9 a.m. Eastern every morning. And we will still have Rafi on Friday. Andy will be on Monday now. And then we'll have another interview on Wednesday each week. So still plenty of coverage of the silver market as well as the gold market. But wanted to let you know that we're shifting into a new schedule. And again, you can find Vince at 9 a.m. every morning to get your day started. Hope you will be enjoying that soon. And now with that said, we'll turn it over to today's show. Fortunately, we're going to get a bit of an international perspective today because joining me once again is Sam Laurie from Adams Bullion over in Australia. Obviously, that's uh, the partner of John Adams, who took took the gold and silver world quite by storm. And uh, hopefully we'll be seeing more of John soon, although Sam here is John's partner and student of the financial markets and going to check in uh, i guess sam last time we talked i believe was mid-september and we talked about how gold actually setting record highs in a, a variety of foreign currencies and higher in u.s dollar terms since then as well so great to have you back here and get an update on how things are going but first of all how are you doing my friend Thanks for having me, Chris. It's great to be here with you again. Um, and yeah, been going really well on our end. It's been a busy six months for us um, at Adams Bullion. Um, we've been growing substantially. It's been yeah great on our end. Um, yeah, it's been interesting watching the markets as well. We've been watching the gold price just climb slowly but surely uh, in both US dollars and Aussie dollars. Um, so good to see for all of our clients out there that have you know taken advantage of that and um, stacked along the way. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been it's been a wild ride over the last six months. We've seen a lot happen, no doubt that we'll we'll talk about in the uh, in the coming few minutes. But yeah, great great to be here with you today, and great to see the gold price on the way up. Yeah, and especially as we look back to September in the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, so about a hundred dollars higher in that six month period. Obviously, we were briefly over twenty one hundred dollars in U.S. dollars for. Oh, uh, an hour or two before that came in, although settled in a range primarily above 2000. We had a slight dip below when CPI came out two weeks ago, but curious what you're seeing. Obviously, a slightly different perspective. As you mentioned before we started hitting the record button that the Australian market tends to have a bit of a Western perspective on the gold matter, but obviously you're talking with people all day who are considering gold and silver. So would love to hear just any thoughts on the past six months and how people are responding to that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, here in Australia, gold and silver is not something that's very common for people to invest in. Um, so it's got quite a yeah a Western perspective, I guess, there. Um, having said that, though, we, we're seeing plenty of people coming in and, and buying bullion, um, both existing buyers, people that have been buying for years and years, as well as new buyers, people that are buying for the first time. Um, it's really good to see the new buyers coming in. Um, I think what's really driving people towards bullion at the moment in Australia um, is interest rate policy and inflation. So, you know, inflation here in Australia is really, really bad at the moment. Um, I, arguably worse than the US, but, you know, who can trust the data? You know, I can compare our CPI to your CPI, but, you know, <laughs> which central bank is lying more about the CPI data, you know, just devolves from there. Um, I mean, something that I, I guess is is really uh a tailwind for Australian precious metals investors is that our currency, our Aussie dollar has been performing a lot worse than the US dollar has. Um, so something that I, I mentioned to everybody that's looking into precious metals for the first time here in Australia is that over the last 23 years, gold's averaged 9% a year in Aussie dollars. And last year, it went up 13 and a half. Um, so you, you can't really cry too loudly in the face of that kind of performance. I mean, yes, it's not the kind of performance that maybe we've been expecting or that we, we saw in the 1970s. But again, you know, 13.5% in a year, it's 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 better than you get in a term deposit. It's better than you get in a bank account, a savings account, et cetera. So, you know, again, it's 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 not it's not bad at all. And it's it's enough to get people looking at the space. Yeah. Yeah, and Sam, uh here we have pulled up the gold chart in Australian dollars. So you can see that it has been doing quite well. I guess it was about to break three thousand. Right when we talked last time, certainly well above that. And something I've been thinking about a lot recently is just the difference in motivation from some of the people that enter gold and silver. Obviously, there's some of us who look at how much money has been printed, the levels of debt that are outstanding, and you hear the possibility of bigger gold and silver numbers. Although, uh, like you said, I mean, over 10% for the last handful of years what, what the people that you talk with, are they expecting a big appreciation? Or are they looking at it mainly just as protection and they're concerned about something systemic happening? What, what do you run into more often? Yeah, so a lot of the time, um, twofold there, there's, um, I guess, one half of the of the buyers that are looking for a large price increase, um, you know, particularly in silver. So um, at the moment, we've been selling more silver than we have gold, um, substantially more. You know, you look at the gold to silver ratio where it is at the moment. You know, I'm I'm buying silver myself personally. Um, not to say that I'm not you know a fan of gold, but at the moment I'm I'm all in on silver. So yeah, silver has been very uh, very popular, and, and most of the silver buyers that have been coming in, they are expecting um, the price to jump substantially this year. You know, I'm 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 quite bullish. You know, if they do drop interest rates like everyone's talking about, I think that could really you know put a fire under silver's price there and. You know, really, really lead to some rocket ships, I guess, is the way to say it. Um, but the other, the other kind of half of clients that are coming in are really looking at it as a pro, uh, wealth preservation tactic. You know, they they they're worried about the things going on around the world. You know, they they're, they're looking at inflation. They don't expect it to get any better. I certainly don't. You know, they're looking at their other options and alternatives. You know, you look, you look at a lot of other financial markets. They're quite bubbly at the moment. You look at the US stock market with NVIDIA at $800 a share, you know, that's just crazy. So in, in terms of where to allocate capital or, you know, looking at the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of things that are um, 
very, very highly valued at the moment, and precious metals seem to be quite unloved. So, from a contrarian perspective, you know, it, it's it's a place to put money that's not too highly overvalued. Um, and of course, it's got that safe haven aspect as well. So, you know, people diversifying their other assets, you know, real estate here in Australia is massive, hugely common. So lots of people looking to diversify their real estate portfolios, kind of protect it from any um, unforeseen circumstances, you know, any black swan events, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, lots of people diversifying away from other assets that are at nosebleed valuations. Yeah. Yeah, and in there, Sam, you mentioned the possibility of interest rate cuts. Fascinating that in a short period of time, now now we're hearing the possibility of hikes in the conversation as well. Obviously, we have the bank term funding program that helped some of the banks out last year when a couple of the banks failed is coming to an expiration. We also have a reverse repo tank that is running low and Certainly, uh, many who feel that that is going to be an issue in the Treasury funding after that. So I'm curious what you're seeing this year, what you're watching out for. Uh, obviously, we're talking about probabilities and percentages here. So I don't know if there's a 100% lock of what is the path that plays out. But based on everything you're looking at, perhaps you could walk us through what you see happening in the coming months and rest of this year. Yeah, well, there's there's certainly a lot to be watching at the moment. You've mentioned the the bank term funding program um, as well as the reverse repo market. So both things to be watching closely there. I mean, I, I, there's there's kind of um, two two ways of looking at that. So one of which is that you know when when the bank term funding program finishes at March, people are saying that's that's only a few days away until we hit March. Um, then the, you know if if the bank term funding program is what papered over the, the regional banking crisis that we had last year, and it's the reason that banks with massive unrealized losses on their balance sheets can continue operating and not falter, um, then the removal of that program could really spell trouble. Um, a lot of people out there are saying, though, that, well, the Fed understands this and must have a replacement program for it in the works already. You know, they must have you know, another kick of the can down the road. Um, and the way that I look at that is, okay, first scenario that they don't, well, as I said, that leads to trouble. And the second scenario in which they do have another fix on the way, it can only be inflationary. You know, at the end of the day, what can they do? They can only provide liquidity to a system that is awash with it. So, yes, I, I see either scenario there is good for bullion, either in terms of counterparty risk and removing counterparty risk there, or the second scenario is a hedge against inflation. So that's that's the big picture thinking as to what's coming down the pipeline this year. Um, I don't know whether they've got a replacement program up their sleeves. Um, if they don't, they probably should. And if they do, well, that's highly inflationary. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned in there how you think that we are going to see more inflation Obviously, in uh, as I mentioned earlier, we saw CPI, PPI come up higher than expected. We do have the PCE data coming out later this week. Do you think that we've seen the last of the decreases in some of those numbers that were coming down for a while, yet now we're seeing with oil somewhat on the lower end of the range, the inflation data is going back up. Um, do, you, do you think the Fed ever hits that? Two percent mandate in uh, in in the whole process of how this unfolds. 
So I do see the bottom in inflation having occurred or being very, very close to it. Um, the way that I see it is I'm, I'm quite bullish on oil. Um, I think that oil will have a, a good few years to come, to say the least. I mean, probably, probably a good decade to come, but particularly a good few years to come. Um, so that'll be a, a serious inflationary pressure there. Um, you know, now that they've finished draining the strategic petroleum reserve and they're now adding to it, um, plus all the geopolitical stuff going on around the world at the moment as well, in the Middle East, et cetera. Um, so that, that's one massive inflationary pressure there. I mean, another inflationary pressure as well at the moment is that with the with the closure of the, the Red Sea shipping channel there and, you know, having to send boats around Africa instead, you know, that's putting shipping costs through the roof. So, you know, companies here in Australia are already raising their prices due to said shipping costs. And, you know, that's going to filter through the rest of the economy as, as well there. So, you know, there's 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 other reasons in that as well that, that I see inflation going up. But those are the two main ones there. Um, so for those reasons, yes, I, I do think that inflation has um, bottomed. I, I think it, you know, it, it is on the way up again. It reminds me of the mid-1970s where, you know, we've seen economists come out and declare victory against inflation, you know, that, that, we, that we've won the fight. I mean, here in Australia, it's still over double the the two percent target rate that the RBA sets, um, and it's it's funny as well. You know, I've seen uh, a state premier here in Australia, the the, the um, chief politician for the state of Queensland, come out and say that we need lower interest rates. You know, his constituents need lower interest rates. You know, people are really hurting from higher interest rates. You know, here in Australia, it's mostly variable rate mortgages. We don't really have fixed rate mortgages um, very much, so. Most people are feeling the pain of, of these interest rate increases. Um, and I've also seen the Prime Minister of Australia, you know, our, our version of your president, um, come out and say that the, the Reserve Bank, our version of your Fed, should lower interest rates as well. So, you know, you talk about the, the, the political independence of central banks. I mean, here in Australia, that's really being called into question at the moment. Um, so, you know, whether they, they do achieve their, their interest, their, sorry, their inflation targets, I don't think so. The pressure's already on to drop rates again, both over in the US and here in Australia. Um, and inflation, as I said, I, th I think it's getting worse. So, you know, you combine those two together and I think inflation could really kick into gear this year and, you know, he hence it could be a great year for precious metals. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, when faced with the choice, do they save the dollar or the treasury? Gee, it, it sure seems they've given you every indication to believe that they will back the debt. The Fed will do what they need to do. The various other central banks will do what they need to do. And I'm curious, when you take a step back and perhaps look at this from a longer term perspective, obviously we have debt skyrocketing in the U.S., but it's not just the U.S. So you have this same phenomenon building in most of the major developed economies in the world. Any thoughts on how this plays out? Again, we'll, you know, we, we have the metric of the dollar index measuring the dollar against the other currencies. So there's some degree that we see things shift from area to area, yet with, with all of them experiencing still those, those big Western developed debt loads. What do you see happening over the next 10 or 20 years? Or if you could take a leap forward, where do you think we end up and how this gets resolved ultimately? Yeah, well, what a what a big picture question there. I mean, you know, look at looking at currencies for a second, the US dollar. So look, something that I think 
bringing the international perspective here to look at is the Australian dollar. I mean, it's been dropping significantly against the US dollar for years and years and years. I mean, we used to be back at parity with you guys. You know, one Aussie dollar used to be worth one US dollar. You know, today we're at around that 65, 64 cent level. So, you know, we've dropped significantly. And uh, here in Australia, we've, we've got economists talking about um, our lower exchange rate leading to inflation. We're talking about importing our inflation, which I think is probably the wrong way of looking about it. Not to say that a, a weaker currency doesn't have inflationary pressures, but, you know, it's not really talking about why our currency is weakening against the US dollar. I mean, you know, you're American, you know what's happening to the US dollar, printing it out of thin air and, you know, debasing it, et cetera, et cetera. You know, financial repression, rates below inflation, all that stuff. And that applies even more so to the Aussie dollar. You know, our interest rates are lower than yours are. You know, our, our uh, inflation rates have been around the same, if not arguably worse in, in some ways. So, you know, I guess what I'm saying there is that the US being the cleanest shirt and the dirty laundry basket, from my perspective as an Australian, your currency is better than ours. Um, so, yes, your currency is nothing compared to real money, you know, gold and silver, but the US dollar as a fiat currency, relatively speaking, actually isn't that bad. Um, <laughs> let me let me let me have a caveat there that of course the US dollar is not a great um, store of value and you know it's lost 99% of its purchasing power over the last hundred years since the inception of the Federal Reserve. But taking it back to that international perspective there of fiat currencies, you know, the, the US dollar, it's it's remained strong over the last few years. I, I, bringing that forward in the future, though, the, the next 10 to 15 years, I do see a drop in the US dollar compared to other currencies around the world because of the loss of the uh, reserve currency, the world global reserve currency. Um, you know, with this BRIC stuff coming through and, you know, the the, the rise of China and Russia and India, um, you know, the, the world is rapidly changing and, and the US dollar will probably lose a lot of its value for that reason. Um, but that'll take a long time to play out. You know, that's not a that's not a trade to hop on for tomorrow. Um, that's a that's a trade that'll take years and years to play out, and it could go the other way first. So, you know, if there was um, some sort of banking crisis or you know some sort of massive risk off event, I, I could see the US dollar rallying in that sort of scenario, particularly against other global currencies. So, it's a bit of a funny one, you know, where of course I'm I'm bearish US dollar long term, but Anything can happen in the short term, particularly if there's a massive risk-off event. Um, and it's, yeah, as I said, compared to other currencies, as an Australian, I, I'd prefer to be holding US dollars than I would Aussie dollars. You know, it's, it's worked out a lot better over the last few years to do that. Having said that, I wouldn't want to hold US dollars. I'd much rather hold precious metals, of course. Yeah, I think that's well said because let's say we had a, another credit issue tomorrow or next month. I don't think we've seen the last rally to U.S. dollars and U.S. treasuries, where if the, there was chaos to the extent that it was really uh, circulating around the globe. I think we're getting to that closer to that point where there's one day where it doesn't play out like that, although not sure that we are there quite yet. And Sam, I know you also had a note as we were talking and setting this up. You've been fascinated by the Magnificent Seven, obviously you mentioned NVIDIA earlier. Any Anything that you would say about the growth in these uh, seven stocks where, see, about a year ago today at 128, now at 233. So 
not quite doubled yet, but quite a uh, rate of re return under higher interest rate environment. And we see just as <laughs> as we're saying that new 52-week high popped up today. Any thoughts on what we're seeing in some of these stocks here? Well, I look at it and I just see insanity. You know, the, the, these companies, look, they're, they're not necessarily doing too badly from a fundamental perspective or anything like that. Um, but it's more so the the just the extreme rally. I mean, NVIDIA is now the third most valuable company in the US. It's worth more than Goldman Sachs, than Bank of America, you know, all these huge companies. Um, and, you know, you, you look at it, it doesn't make any sense. The, the price to earnings ratios, um, you know, that, that, that applies across the tech sector there. That's not just NVIDIA. Um, you know, the, the volatility in the space as well, it's... It's just wild, you know. Semiconductors in general, it's, it's just wild. So I, I look at it and I'm just in disbelief. You know, the 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 Nvidia rally. I mean, it felt like not too long ago that Nvidia was at 500 US dollars a share, and I was looking at it going, "Oh, is it going to top here?" You know, this is this is quite overvalued. And then today it's at 800 US dollars a share. Only a few weeks later, and how how does that end well is my question how does how does that sort of rally end well it reminds me of the tech bubble of the early 2000s not to say that we've seen the peak yet it, it could very well you know keep going from here but i just i look at it and i think this is not a long-term investment this is a short-term trade at best at best well certainly has been a stunning rise and i get why you're saying it can certainly remind one of what we saw around the turn of the century, although as you point out, which by all means is not, be careful if you're shorting it, uh, because certainly in an environment like this, we don't know where the top is. So uh, fascinating times and something I'm sure people are keeping an eye on. And Sam, perhaps just in wrapping up, can you let folks know where they can find you and reach you and any, uh, perhaps a quick update on our friend John Adams and uh, just the best way to stay in touch with the research you're doing and the services you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So um, John, first of all, John, he's very busy at the moment. Uh, he's working on something with ASIC. So that's our corporate regulator here in Australia, uh, kind of our version of the SEC. Um, big news that's coming. So he's he's alleging fraud in the bullion industry at another bullion dealer here in Australia. Um, well, yeah. Keep an, keep an eye out is, is what I'll say there, but it's yeah quite explosive when it does break. Um, in terms of how to reach out to us, though, look, you can follow us on um, Twitter. I'm quite active on Twitter, Adams Bullion, um, on Instagram, Facebook, so social media there. And we've also got a YouTube channel that will be looking at uploading some more content in the near future. Um, so feel free to follow us on YouTube as well. Um, and then, of course, you know you can reach out to us via email or, or phone call if you'd like to get in touch. Um, yeah, more than happy to answer any questions, et cetera. Yeah. Well, Sam, I sure appreciate that. Uh, appreciate what you're doing and offering us a bit of an international perspective once again. Uh, I think people like hearing Americans talk about gold and silver, but always helpful to see the impact and the way people are viewing it in other portions of the world. So appreciate everything you shared there. And we'll have to check back in with you soon, see how things develop. And especially after March, I wonder if that won't be a little bit of a volatile time, although we're getting closer. So thanks for everything you shared today and laying it out. And we'll catch up with you again soon, my friend. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. It's been a pleasure chatting with you as always. And yeah, really looking forward to the next time. Well, thanks to Sam for joining us on the show from Australia. 
Hopefully that was helpful in terms of getting a little bit of an international perspective today on some of the things happening in gold and silver, as well as what to expect in the year ahead. Real quick before we wrap up, would like to thank Silver Viper Minerals who brought us today's show. And obviously Silver Viper is advancing its La Virginia project where their maiden resource estimate came back with 17.7 million ounces of silver equivalent in the indicated category and another 31.1 million ounces of silver equivalent in the inferred category for a total resource of 49 million, of which Silver Viper obviously excited to eventually get out there and continue drilling to update that resource, which will eventually include some of the new targets that they are exploring, including El Molino and Macho Libre. And to find out more details about Silver Viper, where they're at in this cycle, and what they'll be doing going forward, and go to silverviperminerals.com. And we thank them for bringing you today's show. Hope you're having a great day out there, and we will see you again soon.